Welcome to season two of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me bi-weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests who are either working in a field that helps develop confidence or were able to finally break free from a certain fear that was holding them back from living their life with confidence and purpose. Hi, John. Hello. So you describe yourself as an introvert adventurer who teaches confident communication skills. Yes. So before you started teaching other people those skills, how did you develop them yourself, especially as you're describing yourself as an introvert? Yeah, well, I always thought that uh, an introvert was very quiet and an extrovert was loud, and therefore I was an extrovert. Um, but it turns out I'm mostly an introvert. And I've always been drawn to stand-up comedy and performance. And I remember going to uh, the Edinburgh Festival as a kid and seeing street performers and just being hooked on that. And I thought that was amazing. And so I decided I would try stand-up. And stand-up is actually what's taught me most of the skills that I help other people with when helping them with their confidence. Mm. I mean, people, when they see comedians, they would just never think of a comedian being an introvert. You know, you think that is the most confident person who's definitely an extrovert. And it's interesting how we ourselves don't even know which one we are. Um, I thought the same as you for a very long time. It's really during lockdown that I've realized I love this time alone. I love the quiet. I don't need that um, sort of entertaining or pleasing or all of those things that actually exhaust me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think lots of stand-ups are that way. I know that stand-ups will, while they're performing, they're interacting, but actually they've got a routine and they have spent a very long time on their own, writing, rehearsing, traveling. So you were a game designer, gaming designer first. Yes. What led you to being a stand-up comic? How did you get into that? I'd seen lots of stand-up and I always thought it was interesting. And then a couple of people I worked with, one a programmer, one a receptionist, and I were talking about it and we thought, well, we like stand-up, let's try it out. And so we each tried it out separately and compared notes. Uh, we started off at the same, it wasn't even a gig, it was at a bar where the, the receptionist lady worked and we got a spot before the band and we performed and I don't think we were very good, but we got hooked. So you weren't booed off stage or anything, because I imagine that would put you off. I, I don't really have a strong recollection of it. I think there is a recording somewhere. And I remember afterwards sort of watching it back and then realizing I hadn't done half as well as I thought. So I, you know, I'd done it. I thought, oh, that was, you know, that was exciting. Um, but actually, yes, it wasn't particularly good, but just thoroughly addictive. And what made you give that up if you were really loving it? Well, I did it for about 10 years whilst also doing video games design, went full time for a couple of years. And then my partner who I was living with said, so what's the uh, what's the uh, the whole plan with the stand up thing? And of course, I'd had no plan. And so I got better and I was doing OK, but I hadn't cracked the big comedy clubs. I wasn't doing lots of 20 minute spots. Uh, and so I gave up on it. And but in a way, it was a relief because all that time I thought, oh, I have to do this thing. I have to become a successful stand up. And to draw a line under it and step away from it was actually quite good. And also I knew what would happen if I went full time and, you know, what that result would be, which is what I'd always wondered. Mm. So actually it was it was OK. I think going professional is a whole other story, isn't it? Especially if you are an introvert, it puts all these different pressures on you. Yeah, I mean, 
going on stage with the understanding that you are going to be funny is already a massive pressure. But when it's for 20 minutes in front of a uh, an audience who've maybe paid quite a lot of money, and if you doubt yourself, and I think that's probably the vital bit, mm. then that's going to be hard. So really, you were sort of practicing what you were going to start teaching others to do, which is how to find that courage and confidence. It was all part of the plan, Rania. Obviously, I'd planned everything meticulously. Uh, no, uh, it, I sort of fell into going back. I went back to video games and then a, a good friend of mine who'd I'd asked them about what, what do you think I should do? Because in video games, I was, I was doing okay, but not great. Doesn't, I didn't really feel like I was progressing much. And he said, well, why don't you offer your uh, skills in performance to companies that teach presentation skills? Because giving a presentation is all about a good story and delivery. These are key elements of stand-up. So they presented me with something that really had been staring me in the face, which was obvious, very clear, good career advice. And I did contact a few companies who said thanks but no thanks and then I thought why not do it on my own and somehow it's worked which is fantastic but what's really lovely is I feel like I've kind of found my place in the world through doing jobs that I was okay at and yes getting on with people and having friends that's great but I didn't really feel like I was heading towards a particular objective but doing or purpose, this, the big I'm now, word. I'm now purpose. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. What's what's my purpose in life? Um, what are my values? But now I'm using all these skills. So now all those weeks of doing stand up five nights a week, you know, now I'm capitalizing on all that experience, which is fantastic. That's great. And and you saying, you know, it's all about telling your story. Every business now is telling you that's what's important. What is your story? People want to relate to you and want to, you know, resonate. What is your story? And it's really hard for people to figure out what their story is or which part is important to, to focus on. And I love that in one of your blogs, you wrote that um, to keep them kind of gripped, it's always good to start with, unfortunately, this happened. Da, 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 da. Unfortunately, <laughs> keep them guessing. Can you tell yeah. me a bit about that? Basically, if you're watching someone speak and you can predict what they're going to say next, boring, right? doesn't matter if it's a weekly meeting about the team's progress or someone's life story or indeed stand-up comedy. So I will sit and watch Live at the Apollo and get annoyed because I can tell what's coming next. Not always, but sometimes that happens. So it's just surprises. And that's why the fortunately, unfortunately thing is really yeah. good, where, you know, the, the very fundamental structure of a joke is statement one statement two which backs up statement one and then statement three goes off you break the pattern and that's all we want is please break the pattern of predictability and what you're saying and then it'd be more interesting and that and that's what a story should do really you've mentioned that defining confidence is key what is confidence what is it to you what is it like let's get specific about it well it's funny because people come to me and they, they want confidence, but I think it's really useful to, to have it properly defined. I think, how are you going to apply it? Because just feeling good about yourself and feeling confident is, is wonderful, but people often say to me, oh, I don't feel confident if I don't know the subject. So this is specifically with a presentation. And of course they don't. And it, it would be strange if you felt confident, I think, when you didn't know the subject. Yeah. So 
there are a few different elements. I think while the end result of what I want to give people is confidence, the immediate things are very practical, which are knowing your subject and constructing a piece, whether it's an introduction to you or your company or whatever it is you're going to talk about, constructing a piece that makes sense and has a good structure, then delivering it in a way that conveys enthusiasm and helps people feel like you're in control and that you are confident. So it's conveying apparent confidence. So in a way, that could be the most important aspect. It's the audience and the audience could be one person or, or 500. It's the audience feeling relaxed about you. So you could be a great speaker who conveys this wonderful, confident, relaxed, conversational persona when you speak. But actually, every time you speak, you feel a little bit nervous and shaky. So the confidence could be, I will do a good job. It's not that I will feel completely relaxed and happy throughout the situation. It's just, I will do well. So that's, that's one way of looking at confidence. I've defined it recently for myself as I have permission. So I mentioned that craving approval from other people. What I've realized is probably the best route for me to proper confidence is to give myself permission to make mistakes, to mess things up, but to be authentic and be me. Because actually, and it's a case of me taking my own advice, for any audience, that's what we want. We want to see you. We want to see the, the clearly authentic version of you because it's just more interesting. But the other side for you as a speaker is it's easier because you're not having to put up the shields and a facade. Uh, and that's when you make real connection. But I think that's that's what confidence is. Yeah, and I think that's what makes us like stand-up comics is that we're seeing them being themselves with all their vulnerabilities Whereas if they came on like some CNN reporter that was speaking perfectly about something, it feels a bit robotic and it, and it wouldn't be something that we could resonate with because the whole point of it is to resonate with the person that's speaking and feel like, yeah, that could be me. I go through that. Oh, I totally get that. And so finding, but that also needs courage and confidence to be your authentic self because there's so much shame and so many beliefs, negative beliefs that come with, I'm not good enough as, as you know, as I am. So I need to put on this persona. I need to look a certain way. I need to behave or sound a certain way. Um, and then discovering through courage that actually people like you just being you and being relaxed. Exactly. And as soon as you can make that that leap and, and push yourself to open up and confess, I messed this up, I'm not very good at this, you have these lovely moments where a load of other people say, oh, thank God, me as well, right? Mm. If you stand up, I walk out there and say, I am crap at this or I hate this. And the audience will laugh straight away because they've got that connection. And it's something that maybe they don't ever talk about. But as soon as you own up to it, then it's just funny because it's puncturing yeah, that like tension. things going wrong absolutely it's good to point them out and joke about them or yeah. rather than ignore that they're actually happening yeah and the you know a story where everything goes well is not interesting um a mm. day that you have when let's say really very unfortunate unpleasant things happen to you depends what they are but generally if you've had a you know a terrible day that maybe has affected your life affected your career on the day itself, that may seem like a very low point. A year later, funniest story ever. 
right? Yeah, and then this broke, and then the car broke down, and then I got arrested, and it started raining, and then, you know, I deleted all the resources for the presentation, or whatever. You know, <clears throat> I did all these stupid things. That's kind of the fortunately, unfortunately, but all unfortunately. And that's funny, because that's relatable and human, but it's in the past. It's, you know, it's safe. Um, mm. There's a very predictable curve to the TED talk, which is still a structure that works, which is the, I had a terrible time. I overcame this problem. I'm stronger now. Here's what I learned. And that's brilliant. And that's classic story structure, but it's comes back to that predictability. You know, I'm guessing you overcame it and now you're stronger. Um, but when it's just brutally honest, that's, that's what we want. And that's, that's, that's how you make the connection. And I think you being distanced from it a little bit and having perspective about it allows it to be funny. Whereas if you are still angry on stage and, you know, it just happened to you, then it can make people feel uncomfortable. Um, and there's a quote about you, how you're described is that you've got unflustered confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is spot on, is it's a very relaxed, there is no fluster there trying to prove anything or get it right that's the that's the real magic that's that moment when something goes wrong it it's a bit like the way a, a child might look to a parent or an adult who's mm. leading them whether it's a teacher or let's say there's a, a party as a kid and your friend's parent is taking you some you're looking to them for guidance you want to see emotional guidance how should i feel about this and if something goes wrong and they look upset or worried, then you think, oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. Whereas if they can hide it, which is, of course, the job as an adult or parent, and go, oh, that's fine. Yeah, let's do this. Then you think, oh, thank God, it's fine. Exactly the same thing has happened, but you've had this dreadful event, which isn't really dreadful, hidden from you. And so we want to see, how do you feel about this? And you can have very funny moments where things go wrong. You're speaking in front of a group of people and you say, right, that's broken. Um, okay, let's try something else. And that's funny. Yeah. Because it shows I'm okay with it. Whereas what a lot of people do is apologize profusely, spend ages trying to fix it. And then we're all sitting there going, Oh, I feel dreadful for you. And this is taking ages. Yeah. Um, whereas that little bit of improvisation and going with the flow, again, trusting yourself, you know, having that confidence. We love that. And that's, that's what we want. We want to see that in other people that you're not bothered by these problems. And how was the TED Talk for you? Did you feel nervous? Was it terrifying or was it an absolute thrill? It was, and I think I can say this safely, it was a shambles, Rani. It was an absolute shambles. So uh, basically, I think I delivered a, a good talk, but a lot went on behind the scenes that was, I think it's fair to say, chaotic. And so that was really tough. So just... I'll just describe to you very simply. Uh, I was on first. We hadn't done a dress rehearsal, right? We'd done no tech run through. And we also hadn't discussed amongst ourselves, the speakers, because there were a dozen of us, and with the audience, what the whole arrangement was, because it's being recorded. We hadn't said, we'll stop if something goes wrong. And so they decided at the beginning that they would bring up a YouTube video that was to do with TEDx. They did that and it broke, it, it didn't work. So there's this big frozen 
image. It was like a montage of, of TED stuff, TEDx stuff, as some kind of introduction. And clearly no one had tried it out before. And the compo, I think, could have done a slightly better job. So I, I came on to sort of tepid applause. Then quite, there's a there's a, a basic of comparing, which is that you talk about the speaker, your voice gets higher and higher, and right at the end, you say their name very loudly. Most audiences will just clap. It, it's just instinctive. Um, and I think it went okay, but I sort of went on to tepid applause with this big frozen image. And then I was caught in this dreadful dilemma where as a speaker, I needed to do technical stuff, which is, could you please remove that thing? And because I need to start and I could see it there. And so I'm waiting for this. I thought, I don't want to look like a diva, but this is really important. And then part, and then I, so I started my thing and partway through, there was a very loud uh, crackle, which came through the monitor speakers on the stage. And I quickly realized it was connected to my to my movement so as as i was moving something suddenly was crackling with the microphone and so i realized i had to stop moving uh, which was a problem because i wasn't using slides <laughs> and so i wanted to be walking around and performing i've relied on performing um meanwhile the they had they had no uh clock and beforehand i was saying that we need a you need a big clock so people can judge their time because i'm not going to check my watch part way through uh, and so eventually they came up with a with a clock, which was a countdown clock. And of course, I rehearsed with a stopwatch, which is traveling in the opposite direction. So that was fun. Anyway, uh, I tried moving around a little bit later on and the whole talk was sort of uh, 15 minutes or so. And surely the crackle happened again. And I thought, this is dreadful, uh, but I'll keep going. I'm a professional. So I basically finished my thing, wrapped it up and left the stage. And the desire, the compulsion to want to leave the building was incredibly strong, but I sat down and just sat and watched. And various other technical things went wrong with other speakers and so on. Everyone did their talk and overall it was a success and you can see all the talks. But what was really interesting is I'd convinced myself that this was a terrible experience and that it, it had gone badly. Um, but as you can probably predict from what I'm saying, six weeks later, when the video was published, I looked at it and it seemed okay. And actually those crackles I heard weren't quite as detectable and maybe um, it was okay. And so I sent it to a trusted colleague and they went, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. It's a good talk. Mm. But I'd been spending all this time going, my first and maybe only TEDx talk and it's a disaster. But that shows that the behind the scenes stuff is very different. And there were speakers who had to re-record their talks, which is dreadful, but you wouldn't know because they only filmed the, the speaker and maybe cut to some audience footage from another speaker. I must say that I enjoy when mistakes happen, which sounds really weird, but... Hang on, for you or for other people? <laughs> no, for me. <laughs> okay. For me, because it allows me to break that barrier of I'm the speaker and you're the passive listener. So immediately we become in the same zone, in the same situation, and we're all in it together. And so I start connecting with people one-to-one -one. or when it's Q and A, the minute they start talking and it's an interaction, I'm happier with that and improvising. But when everything's sort of smooth, it's all like, okay, all eyes on me. I've got to keep going for 20 minutes. Mm. I don't know if they're enjoying it. There's no interaction. That's not as exciting for me. But um, it's 
it's interesting. The inner dialogue is the thing that starts making you think, oh, my God, this is going really badly. And you start doing worse and worse if you can't ignore that inner dialogue. And it was great that you did ignore it at some point, because in the end, what people saw was a good talk. Yes. And I've seen stand ups doing okay, but they don't think they're doing as well as they could. Or normally, let's say for that particular bit of material, it normally kills and they do much better. Mm. And they've actually verbally articulated, oh, this isn't going well, because they're so worried about it. And they've persuaded an ambivalent audience who would have otherwise thought, oh, it's fine. Oh, isn't it? Oh, dear. And then it's got really awkward. Yeah. And so there's definitely something to be said for not necessarily soldiering on, but you you keep going. Having said that, there's the the puncturing, you're right, that that just addressing what's happening. And I know someone who did a, a talk before a large number of games developers and they felt they hadn't really got a connection to the audience. And it was pretty much as you described, they were just doing their thing. And I imagine the audience were just sitting and staring and maybe enjoying it, but they weren't giving anything that the speaker could pick up on. And then the speaker's laptop, uh, the battery started to, to die. So they had this big flashing low battery warning, which came up on the screen behind them because they were in a huge venue. And the audience laughed and thought that was hilarious. And then after that, it was fine. Mm. And it was just like you said, it's like, you're one of us now. Like they get it. Yeah. So it wasn't like you're the, the, the status had been completely leveled. And that was lovely. But I know what you mean. There's, there's needing that feedback, which is why I always like to do a first thing mm. with any audience, just chatting to them, something informal, something offhand, something of the moment. And if it's online, something about their background. But if it's in person, you know, it could be clothes, what you're drinking, anything at all, just to get that little bit of connection, a little bit of feedback. And generally that starts things off really well. Yeah. And um, then you're away. And in fact, it's, uh, you know, we talked about acceptance earlier on. It's, it's like, if you're authentic, then you're giving them something which is lovely and, and genuine. But if they like that, then you realize, oh, thank God they do love me. And then you can continue to be yourself yeah whereas if you are professional in inverted commas and you're maybe not smiling or being interesting or authentic then you put up that barrier and then it's it all becomes rather boring Mm. what tips have you got for anyone giving a talk and they suddenly go dry they just can't think what they were talking about don't know how to get back on track generally you should have cues of some sort so even if you've got slides, I think having printed out cues, which are not the script, they are headings and maybe some simple bullet points and subheadings for each section. That's really important. And you could ask the audience, I've done it where I go, right, where I don't know where I was, someone help me out. And generally there'll be someone there who will jump in and say this thing, and then you can get back on track. But you, you sometimes you need a reset. And, you know, I've had people, I've seen people completely freeze and just go, no, this isn't working, I'm going to stop. And my immediate thing will be, no, keep going. It's fine. Where were you? You know, just take them. And sometimes that that reset, just taking a moment, sip of water, where were we? Okay, is actually enough. They almost needed that yeah. uh, little bit of oxygen. It's like they were kind of swimming with no oxygen and they've passed out. They need that little bit of oxygen just to, here you are, it's fine. Because honestly, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> um, you know, most audiences are just look, in a nice way. We don't really care. We don't really care yeah. about how you're feeling. We just want to get the information. We want a bit of a connection with you. That's it. We're looking for 
fairly informative and if you can make it slightly interesting or funny then we'll, we'll be happy mm. so if you've put in that effort generally an audience will like that but yeah it's just taking a moment and maybe saying right i'm completely lost this has gone a bit weird or you know this is i'm not sure where i'm at let me let me just take my check my notes and physically moving physically doing something different is often the way to do it and john tell us about the dave goggins accountability mirror technique Right. So I, I like running and Dave Goggins is this lunatic ex Navy SEAL and he's done lots of ultra runs. So runs that are, you know, 50 or hundred miles, 24 hour runs, just crazy. And he's pushed his body literally to breaking point. It's, it's just nuts. Something that he did when he was a teenager, he just did it on the spur of the moment was to look at himself in the mirror and to tell himself what's what. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a sort of a telling of it. It certainly wasn't insulting himself. So he might have said, you're behaving like a, but not you are an idiot, for example. He said, you're behaving in an idiotic, idiotic way. You need to do this. And it was telling himself, telling his reflection, you know, you're brilliant, keep going, which is kind of the thing that I need to hear. And that's often what I will do with the mirror. So it's, it's, it's reel off the things I've just been doing, the things I've done the day before. Look, these are all great things. These are great achievements. Even the, you know, the little bitty you know i took out some rubbish or you know i've cleaned this thing which is a crummy job but i've done it you know i'm ticking these things off great job keep going because that's all we want really that's the best advice for someone it's like don't, don't forget all that stuff keep going you're doing good job. like just don't stop yeah it's being it's being kind to ourselves it's being our own coach cheering ourselves on because what we usually do is put ourselves down and we don't do the positive side you know yeah um and they always say they the experts that you would never talk like that to somebody else. You would actually realize what a bully you are. Like your future self. If a future self was looking back at you struggling, they'd say, forget all that. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. You know, like you've, you've done a great job. Don't worry about that stuff. It's in the past. What do you need to do right now? I get into this with, with people if I'm, if I'm arguing with someone about something mm. that's happened and there'll, there'll be this despairing about what has happened. I go, okay, yeah, it's terrible. What are we mm. going to do now? Like what's what's the course of action because yeah don't get hung up in the actual problem of it what can you do that moves yeah. you forward so you're not yeah, stuck. it's dreadful yeah that's right it's dreadful we're late we're, but what are we going to do now what we're we going to get in the yeah. car and keep going right so let's let's focus on that i tend to journal yeah. the little achievements or the big achievements with a little tick after you know done that tick <laughs> i do like a tick at the mm. end of things i'll sometimes give myself a double tick so um Mel Mel Robbins has a new book out actually called High Five. So she uses the mirror where she high fives herself because high fiving nice. is just something visually immediately. If someone high fives you, you know that you've done a good job. You know, it gives you a good feeling. So you can do it to yourself in the mirror. So I'll do the odd high five in the mirror. Yeah, I guess you you don't want to do it too no, hard no. in the mirror, yeah. I guess. But in theory, <laughs> yes. That, but but that's also, that's great. That's a, a very physical thing. So... Um, mm. I think it's uh, Amy Cuddy, your body language may shape who you are. With the accountability mirror, it's telling yourself a fact and programming yourself with good information. And physical activity does a similar thing. Your subconscious is waiting for signals. And so Amy Cuddy mentions- The power poses. Is it the power poses? Blind, their whole, mm. It's the power poses, but also people who've been blind their whole lives will raise their hands when they win at stuff, right? It's mm. so fundamentally hardwired. So Wonder Woman pose, proud pose, confident pose, sends a message to your subconscious that says, 
I'm good at this, I'm confident, I'm feeling great. And it works even if none of those things are true because that that's the message we want to get. So the high five, I really like that. The high five is very clear. You know, yeah. you can do that with little kids. It's like such a clear sort of affirmation mm. and reinforcement. And talking positive. of writing books, it sounds like you're writing a book and I love that you started asking <laughs> people for the ideas and they're giving you some amazing oh. plots. <laughs> yes, I've I've gone back and forth with this thing and I'm I've now become an absolute student of stories. And so yeah, I've got books about how story structure works and yeah, it's become quite an obsession now. So yeah, I'm not sure how far I'm getting along with it. I seem to keep sort of starting again. But yes, I'm trying to write a book about well, it's a story, but confidence is kind of the the main challenge within it the main theme I think and I'm always interested in that we can be so confident in some areas and be seen as a confident person but put in a different situation you can be very insecure what would you say about yourself um what do you still feel really insecure about compared to where you feel really confident it's it's getting things wrong it's being caught out it's that part of my brain that doesn't store information properly. I remember doing stand-up daily meetings at a games company I worked at and being really worried that I'd be caught out in, because we were accounting literally for hour by hour with the agile process of what we were doing. And of course, what you do generally isn't what you planned to do that day. So I would get worried about that. If I'm talking about my subject of confident speaking, then it's fine. Then I know I've got stories galore and much like any confidence speaker or stand-up comic, before you go out to give a talk, you've got in your head, this will probably go well, that's it. That's all you've got, you know, it might go badly, chances pretty low, it'll probably go well, it'll probably be fun, and that's it. And that means you start off in a confident way. But yeah, I still have all those doubts, and that's why that statement of I have permission is really important. It's basically, you can get things wrong, it's fine. It really doesn't matter. And I keep trying to reinforce that idea uh, or practice of looking at a situation that I got stressed about and realizing not important, <laughs> really not important at all. So don't yeah. bother stressing about it. Um, there's a, a psychologist called Rick Hansen, who I rather like, has written a very good book called Resilient, but he's published lots of stuff online. And he says, our minds are like Teflon for good experiences and Velcro for bad ones. And mm. in theory, the reason for this is in terms of evolution, our ancestors survived because they worried about everything, you know, they, or they considered all the possible bad things that might happen because that kept them alive. Fantastic. No longer useful. We don't need to be worrying about the future. Planning for it, yes, but getting anxious about it is absolutely pointless because let's face it, nine times out of 10, the thing doesn't even happen, let alone be of any significant level of importance mm. I, ha I think you have to believe what you're telling yourself so when you go it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine if you don't believe that then it's not really helpful it's kind of like being in a car with a drunk driver and then going relax <laughs> I've got this <laughs> it's not going to make you relax or if you're saying to yourself relax relax but if you if you think of situations where you were worried and they went well Yes. Then that can be helpful. And I think um, also to think, what is the worst case scenario? 
What sort of way do you convince yourself? What are you telling yourself when you're giving yourself well, permission? It's the Susan Jeffers book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, has a great thing very mm. near the beginning where she just says, look, whatever happens, you'll handle it, right? It might not be easy, it might be terrifying, but you will handle it. So I think it's part of that process I mentioned of remembering and reminding myself, last time I felt terrible about this, terrible about this thing, it seemed important it wasn't important. I feel the same way now. I feel that this thing I'm worried about, the, something at the weekend or something to do with work, I'm really worried about that. I feel the same way. It'll probably have the same result, which it is fine. And you're not letting anyone down by just trying to relax and trying to not necessarily forget about it, but just not be anxious about it. You're in the right place. And do you have final tips? Just a, just a top five. Yeah. Think the first state is really knowing where you are. So by that I mean understanding your own abilities and qualities and strengths. I I encounter a lot of people for whom there's a disparity there, where they say, "Well, I'm like this, and I'm bad at this, and I struggle with this." And I think, okay, that's your perception. And then I get them to, because it's typically in the realm of public speaking, I get them to introduce themselves or speak for a couple of minutes and they're fine. And I put them at say, you know, seven out of 10, it's room for improvement, but they're not bad. They put themselves at a three. They think oh, they're terrible at it. So it's actually knowing where you are and then accepting that, you know, accepting that, yeah, I'm terrible at, I don't know, spelling or, you know, I, there's, there's this area of chaos in my life and that's okay. So understand where you are, accept it, have some gratitude for what you do have. That's the other part of knowing where you are is remembering all the great stuff that you've got, the great stuff that you've done, and then moving forward, remembering all that. So any situation you go into, well, this is who I am, this is the shortcoming, but here's the strength as well. I don't know if it's a, a, a British trait of worrying about being arrogant, that we don't, we wouldn't ever say, oh, I'm good at this. Whereas say, well, typically American style would be, yeah, I'm, would be to claim that. I find a useful ways to say, I enjoy this. I enjoy this particular thing is feels less uh, arrogant or, or bushy, <laughs> but let's face it. If you're in an yeah. interview and they want absolute honesty and you say, I'm good at this thing. That's fantastic. They'll call you out on it and say, well, give an example. But if you've then got that, how wonderful would that feel to say that? Mm. Yeah. I'm really good at this. Yeah. How does that feel? <laughs> How see does what that happens. Feel? Give me yeah. five things you're really yeah. good at to end this lovely chat together. Oh, Rania. Public speaking. Say, I'm good at. <laughs> okay. I'm great oh, at, this is, this is a, The thing is, what you've got to remember is giving advice is one thing, but actually Doing it yourself. taking your own advice, yeah. advice on board. Oh, yeah. different story. We want, to, we want you to lead by example. So I'm great at. Okay. Oh, right, I'm going to go I'm with fantastic. Well, I'm going to, I'm not going to amazing. Gonna, first one is not there. So, right here, here it comes. I, don't, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I am kind. I have a great sense of humor. I'm good at performing. I'm very creative. Oh God, I was going to come up with a negative. I was going to, wow, I was actually going to, you asked me the things it? I'm good at and I was actually, it was going to be, I'm too tough on myself, mm. which is, you know, it's, it's positive, but it's not, that's not no. a quality we want. Um, 
I am very resilient. Thank you. That felt yeah. good. Hmm. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. See, I don't do that. Well, thank you, John. It's been great chatting to you. And um, how how can people find you if they want to know more? You're on LinkedIn. Anything else they can look up? LinkedIn is very good. The website, johntorrens.co.uk, is also a good resource. But, yeah, you should be able to find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It was great fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniacurdy.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.